Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, I never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. The Civil War is officially among us in Houday Nation. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim Houday. Zim, say what's up. Hello, world. How's everybody doing this evening? We have a Grand, spectacular show for you tonight. I feel really, really excited. I'm energetic. We had a pro day from Jamar Chase today. And all throughout this time, we've been talking about Jamar versus Panay, whether it be in your household, whether it be at the store, maybe it's at the barbershop, but everybody's like going back and forth between the whole Houday Nation. And so here we are. We got to settle this thing. To me, it's a no-brainer. I'm Team Chase. And that's, you know, like that's every day because I want to put some points on the board. Ace, what do you represent? <laughs> I represent Joe Burrow. You guys see this jersey behind me. I'm representing Tim Tool. All I got to say, I don't, I don't have to speak much. I got one thing that I want to do, and this is just my, my bomb that I'm going to drop. I know, Zim, you got some secret weapons planned. This is mine. That's simple for me. It's that simple. That's why I'm rocking with Team Sewell tonight. Right. And, okay, so one of the first things I want to talk about is what I represent is a team of people 
that believe that we can win and we're not afraid and we're not fearful. So one of the things that you're going to notice tonight, people that are team 2L or on ACE side tonight is that they're going to use a lot of fear tactics. That's their number one thing that they're going to do. That's why I have an amazing quarterback with us tonight. That's going to talk to us a little bit about that type of stuff. But there's some people that are sitting at home saying, well, we got to protect Joe. We got to protect Joe. Let's make this very clear. Under no circumstances is anybody on Team Chase against getting the offensive line straight. In fact, we've already made strides this offseason. We're also moving forward when we go into the second round that is super loaded with offensive line talent. We're going to absolutely go ahead and pull the trigger on one of those guys. The one thing that separates a Team Chase person to me versus a Team Panay Chase um, Team Panay uh, person is the fact that they're unwilling to come off the number five pick to get offensive line. Whereas you could go round two through seven, and I'll say you can draft all offensive line if you want. But there's nobody tonight that's going to say that from Panay. They only see it one way, and that's generally it has to be the number five pick, or else you, you're you're not fixing the line, and that's not true. Um, but like I said, be, be very mindful of, of fear tactics that they're going to throw out there in your face all night and they're going to tell you about what they think Joe wants. I want to kick this thing off to my team member, one of the one of the guys that I really, really wanted to make sure that I had on Team Chase that I know is about scoring some points. Mr. Tony Pike, talk to the people tonight. What's going on, fellas? It's tough. We got, we got the graphics going tonight. We got all of this. Here's... Here's what I'm going I'm to try to be as concise as possible with this because I have spent since the draft last year, since Joe Burrow was the number one overall pick to the Cincinnati Bengals, I sat on the radio and I said, now what are we going to do to protect him? What are we going to do to ensure that the future of this franchise is protected? And I watched and I saw nothing done. And I saw Joe Burrow carted off against the Washington Redskins. And I watched the season end and I have two hours to fill every day on the radio. And I go back and forth on – even Kyle Pitts, Panay Sewell, Jamar Chase. What I've come to the conclusion of in looking at so many mock drafts, no one understands what Panay Sewell is going to be. Some people think he's the third best, the fifth best, the ninth, the twelfth. We don't know where he's going to be slotted in. Is it Panay Sewell? Is it Rashawn Slater? Let's take the guesswork out of all of this because we talk about protecting Joe Burrow. First and foremost, I couldn't agree more with anyone that thinks that Priority number one is protecting Joe Burrow. The problem I have is that we have this vision that the only way to protect Joe Burrow is with offensive linemen, when in fact, you can protect Joe Burrow with more weapons. You can spread the defense out. Joe Burrow, go back to the difference of Joe Burrow's junior season to his senior season at LSU. They went to five-man protections, and they spread the defense out. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Thaddeus Moss, who didn't even get drafted, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they spread the defense out. Joe Burrow spreads the ball around. He can pick up blitzes easier. He gets the ball out of his hands. So when I look at this draft pick at number five, if it was, is it Jamar Chase? Is it the, It's Jamar Chase clear. And that was set today when he ran a 4-3-8, when he put the measurables up there next to a DK Metcalf. So I say this, everyone that watched Joe Burrow last year, what did we rave about? We sat back and we, man, how did he fit the ball into that small window? How did he escape the pocket and, and hit that receiver in stride in between two defenders? Joe Burrow's ball placement is crazy. But what we overlook 
is how many times he had to make those small window throws because maybe there wasn't enough separation in the receiving core. Tyler Boyd's a great receiver. T. Higgins is a great receiver. The one question about Jamar Chase, did he have the down-the-field speed? 4-3-8, that says it all. He's got the rapport with Joe Burrow. And most importantly, he can get separation. So instead of raving about Joe Burrow fitting into a small window, we just talked about Joe Burrow getting it back from a clean pocket. Week six, week seven last year, we sat back and we were actually convincing ourselves, you know what? Maybe the offensive line this year isn't that bad. Do you know why that was? It was because Joe Burrow was getting the ball out of his hands quick. He was pushing the ball, and then teams started to come up. They pressured the, the, the receivers from the outside, and then the offensive line couldn't hold up. Joe Burrow's carted off the field. I'm all for protecting Joe Burrow. If it was Penny Sewell as the best lineman, hands down, that's great. I watched Penny Sewell against Auburn, and he struggled against the best competition he played. He blocked in front of Justin Herbert who moved around the pocket, got the ball out quick. I didn't get to see Justin uh, – I didn't get to see Penny Sewell struggle at all this year. I don't know what Penny Sewell is, and we'll find more out Friday. I know what Jamar Chase is. I know he is a sure shot to come in, start, and have an impact right away, and that's why I got to sit on, on Team Chase. All right. That was a great one there by the man, the legend, Tony Pike. But I got to dig in my NFL crate too, and we got one of the greatest – should be future Hall of Famer with us, Willie Anderson. So, Willie, Team Panay needs you to step up to the block. Let's get it. No, Ace, you didn't tell me I was going to be on a, on a team. So, so, so <laughs> this whole thing is about whose team we're on, Team Panay yeah. team. <laughs> well, I like Tony. I sat there and watched the damn Pro Day 2 today, and I was like, well, damn. Like, <laughs> um, But, with Tony, what you were saying, too, was it's kind of chicken on the egg, man. You know, you know he had to – he had to put the ball in tight windows probably sometime because he didn't have protection, you know, and, and everything kind of comes down to protection. But I, I do understand. He's going to be mad about this. I do understand um, taking taking the shiny new toy because you do have Joe Burrow. Now, if, if, if it was a different quarterback, you would say take the lineman. But I, I think I think I think the question Tony said about uh, Sewell um, they're, they, they are coming out, and we can't ignore them. You know, even though, like I said, I, I coached a kid at an um, all-star competition coming out of high school. I seen how dominant he was. Um, him and Jackson Carmen, those guys that came out of that, that class several years ago um, up at Nike headquarters, we had him up there, and he was dominant. Um, he came in as a freshman, dominated. So every, the last time we saw him, we saw him, he was 19 years old. So any struggles he may have, you know, he's going against Derrick Brown, you know, you know you're talking about those guys from Auburn, you know, that's that's that, that's an elite defensive line he's going against. But you know, the the thing the thing with like I say, it's, it's a chicken on the egg. Is is do you want to protect him or is he good enough to to play with the guys he got right now to um you know to to to, to complete the passes? My whole thing with the receivers are, you know, I'm down here in Atlanta and I, I watched the Atlanta Falcons give up their whole damn draft, you know, several years ago. To get Julio Jones, and he's been dynamic. He's been dynamic, but um, you know, they haven't won anything with him. You know, and, and they they struggled the past three years with him, and and um, and the the receivers, all these guys. I mean, you, you see all these top shining new targets. These guys are are great. I mean, you know, AJ was great for us, but the receiver position alone don't make a great team. Um, I think putting you know. 
I think you know we we all we all football guys. I mean, if you ask receivers, I mean, hell, TJ even said a couple couple weeks ago, you know, go off as a lineman. But it's gonna be hard to to um, it's gonna be hard to not take chase off what he did today, of knowing his history. Um, and I was very high on Sewell, and st- I still am. I just don't know if the Bengals need him right now. <laughs> like I said, Ace can be mad at me, but I don't know if the Bengals need him. I, I just don't know. Um, but they can use a shiny new toy for the quarterback, but you better hope like God that those guys are going to protect him because, you know, year two is going to be different. You know, um, you know, coming off a knee injury, you know, we've yet to see it. I know all the reports want to be positive. He's doing great. That's all stuff they got to say to keep the fans kind of hyped up. But no one knows. You know what I mean? And, and, and no one knows. Like, no one knows the, how the new offensive line is going to adjust to the new offensive line coach. We as fans are, are hoping that's going to happen. But you just don't know. Um, I think Jeff Hobson said a lot of times when he and I talk on the phone, you know, um, a great running game will help any quarterback. Well, a running game starts with having a dominant five guys up front that's going to protect the quarterback. And I think, you know, I, me being a lineman, I want to score points too. Hell, shit. When when we um, – in, in the beginning of my career, we had a hard time scoring points. We got Carson. My job became less, uh, became less hard because – I got a guy now protecting now who can get me down the field in eight, nine plays instead of those long, you know, 15-play Corey Dillon drives that we used to have. So having a guy like Joe made our life easier as linemen. I mean, I mean, as, as like Carson. And I think Joe makes, makes the lineman's job easier when you got a guy who knows what he's doing and he's telling the lineman in the huddle, hey, man, give me this time. We're scoring a touchdown. That gives you confidence. Now, again, you got to have the guys up front that's going to um, – give them that time and, and play together and, and win those one-on-one matchups. And we just don't know. They they may have those guys now. I mean, I, you know, the, the guards still kind of, you know, up in the air a little bit, but they, they may have those guys. But I think it's still going to come down to chicken on the egg, you know, you know, shining new toy or protecting. And like, you know, guys saying earlier, there are some really good linemen in the draft too. So, um, but, but I do think the Bengals need to fix one thing. Like it, whatever, whatever, whatever that one thing is, they should fix that. If it's all linemen, go get linemen. If it's defense, go fix defense. But they should fix one problem during this draft process. And, you know, we could all sit back and wonder what that fix is going to be. Yes, sir. Can I respond to just the, the Panay Sewell side real quick? Go ahead. Yeah. Because if if you're telling me right now that if Panay Sewell is drafted at number five, you can guarantee he's the next Willie Anderson, I would take Panay Sewell at five. Right. The problem is – is that when we have this discussion right now, the discussion is centered around, I think Penay Sewell can be the guy. He might have to slide in at guard. We'll see how he adjusts after the year off. Are you willing, as a Bengal fan, when you watch Joe Burrow carted off the field last year, are you, are you able to put the future of your franchise day one, if Joe Burrow's out there game one, on a guy that you're saying, I hope he's the guy, he might be the guy. He might be a Hall of Famer. He might be an All-Pro. Or am I going to put it in the hands of a guy in Jamar Chase who day one I know can turn that offense into Chase, Boyd, Higgins, Joe Mixon, um, Joe Burrow, and take the Chiefs approach. When the Chiefs, the year before they won the Super Bowl, they had the best offense in football. They scored points, and then they addressed all the other holes that that roster had. They brought in Tyrone Matthew. They brought in the other pieces. I'd like the Bengals to do the same thing. Go be dominant on offense this year. Fill the pieces as it goes. 
But there's just there's too much risk in a guy that you hope in Panay Sewell can be the guy. When you know what Jamar Chase is and you already know what he is with Joe Burrow because they set records at LSU. Thank but, you. But 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 uh, you know, we, we all watched we all watched uh, Pat Mahomes run around for his life in the Super Bowl too, because he had no alignment. Had all he had all, had all the weapons in the world, but he ran around for his life. Um also too, the history of top five receivers is just not really good. So it's it's kind of a, a scary mark there too. I think I mean I would love to see a a breakdown of the top top five top ten linemen versus top ten top five top ten receivers and see which guys actually panned out for every AJ Green you know and Julio Jones. I'm sure there's a counterpart to that say like damn why we do that for <laughs> at receiver. So those top five receivers, I mean, show me the guys winning championships with those guys. You know where are they at? Top five linemen, if he hits home, can change the whole program. With that said, Tony, thank you. Thank you very much for, you know, coming in there. And, and I feel like that was very, very strong. And and, I, and I'm very happy to have you on Team Chase. Uh, we don't pay that much on Team Chase, but we do offer a shiny <laughs> ring at the end of the year. And that's what we're going to get. And I'll see, you on the, I'll see you on the float, Tony. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Appreciate thank all you. you guys. Thank you very much for your service tonight, sir. All right, who we want to kick it to next, Zim? I think it next. is. It's, who yeah, we want to next. go with next? Now you're going to have to go to okay. one of my to one of my guys, right? Yeah, that's cool. All right. So, with that being said, because he's right above your head, I'm gonna go straight to my man John Sharon. This is a, a Cincy Jungle guy, one of our Cincy Jungle guys. He sacrificed his time earlier today. I really, really appreciate you. Uh, if you guys didn't uh, catch out uh, his show earlier today or whatever, I, I caught some of it, like what I heard. I know that he was Team Chase. I could look into his eye, and I know he's a damn winner, and he's ready to score some points. John Sheeran, the floor is yours. Let's go. God damn, following both Tony Pike and Willie Anderson is a tough task, but let's, let's see if I can do this. Um, because we had Tony Pike on, I don't know if you guys remember that UC offense from 2008, 2009. What I remember from that team you had Marty Gilliard, Dominic Goodman, Marcus Barnett, Ben Gadouli. That Those teams went to an Orange Bowl, a Sugar Bowl. I don't remember any offensive linemen. It's more of an exaggeration, but I think it's, it sets a good tone and a good argument for what the NFL is and what football is now. Like I think it's more sustainable and there's more potential of having an elite receiving core and a passable offensive line rather than an elite offensive line and just a passable receiving core. Say, like, they, they have T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. They take some type of speed threat in rounds two or three or whatever just to fill out the room because they do need a body there, and then they take Sewell. I think for the most part, while you're confident in Sewell, whatever position you play in right guard, right tackle, you're confident he's going to be a, a decent starter, at least for this year and the next coming years. I think your offense is still more or less limited for what it can do unless whatever receiver that you bring in later in the draft definitely hits and becomes an immediate contributor and takes pressure off of the guys in Higgins and Boyd. Because I think we saw last year, even when the offense line was passable, the offense was still more or less limited because you didn't have, even if when you had AJ Green taking the attention of the number one cornerback and taking bracketed coverage from those, those safeties, you still didn't have someone that could break up off the top and expand the whole offense. And that's where we saw the lack of deep ball production from Joe Burrow. So while if you solidify the offensive line and you, I guess, have assurance in your mind that Joe Burrow is not going to take as many hits and sacks, 
you still have more or less than limited offense. And that's kind of where my whole argument of if you're comparing Chase and Sewell, there's a lot of equal things. A lot of things net out. Like they're both 1A prospects. They're both de- definite year one starters. They both have high potentials. They both fill needs and they both have value. But at the end of the day, if, if you have one first round pick in the top five, that's one pick and you're taking one player. And I think if everything else is equal, you have to look at where are you getting the most value? And I know there's inherent intangible value and assurance that, you know, your quarterback has the best possible offensive line in front of you. But the value of one offensive lineman and the value of one wide receiver, I think, is the breaking point of this conversation. And if you trust the data specifically from Pro Football Focus, you will find that the best receivers in the NFL now are more valuable than the best individual singular offensive lineman. So that becomes an argument of if you're if you have a top five pick and you have equal needs at one receiver hole and one offensive lineman hole, what is the what is the proper pick? What is the what is the player that maximizes your value? And I think that is what ultimately tips the scales to chase. Because at the end of the day, like both these guys are amazing prospects and it, it feels silly to kind of just you know tear down Sewell while in, in, at the same time as building up Chase. That's not what I'm trying to do. I, I want to give Sewell all the credit in the world. And I want to say that if he, if he's a Bengal then he has value on this team, but I think at the end of the day, this is just one player filling one need and you have to maximize the value of what that player can become. And I think for what the NFL is now with, with how teams are successful, like you need an elite receiving core, you need an elite pass catching arsenal around a good quarterback more than you need an elite dominant offense line. It didn't used to be that way, but that's kind of how it is now. And you can't be terrible at offense line. We all agree with that. We all know that they have to address the offense line after the first round, after they take chase, if they if they go that route. But you don't need the elite offensive line. Like you kind of do need an elite receiving core. You definitely need speed to threaten those defenses. All right. So John Sheeran just brought the smoke. So I gotta go and dig into my bag. And we gotta go with the right report. We're bringing on Malik right to the table. Represent Team Sewell Malik. Hold on one second, Malik. I got you. Sorry. You got to unmute. I'm on mute. Go. Wow. I, I can't use the internet today, I guess. Um, no, you all, all you guys made a great point. And, you know, I certainly can see uh, scenario. And keep, keep me like this, actually, guys. I want to see everybody's facial expressions, because especially because James called me out on Twitter earlier. <laughs> so I, I, I want to see everyone's facial expressions when I say what I have to say. But, um, no, uh, I, I certainly see everyone's points that everyone's making. I, I, I certainly you can make a case for drafting a guy like Jamar Chase. I mean, he's hard to pass up on, especially with the poor that he has with Joe Burrow. But I'm not going to talk about Joe Burrow, uh, what, what Joe Burrow can do, because we all know how how great of a quarterback Joe Burrow is. We know how amazing of a prospect that we think a guy like Jamar Chase is going to be or Penny Sewell is going to be. I'm going to talk about a fact, right? I want to talk about a fact. And the fact is the organization has failed to, you know, solidify the offensive line since Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zeitler walked out the door. That's a fact, right? So we can sit up here all day and we could say, hey, you know, you draft the offensive lineman in the in the second round, and that's an argument that I hear a lot of people say that. They tried that already, right? They tried that with Jawan Taylor. They tried that with uh, Cody Ford, and teams came up and passed them. Listen, we, 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 we can hope and pray and say, you know what? A player is going to be there in the second round, and damn well, they, the player really might be there in the second round. But one thing's for sure, two things for certain. The Cincinnati Bengals – uh, starting last offseason, they have shown a willingness uh, to go out there and pick up a, a wide receiver. They were involved in the, the, the DeAndre, Hop, uh, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, they were trying to trade for him. They were in on Kenny Galladay this year. Uh, can the same be said about the offensive line, though? 
No, it can't. The same cannot be said about the offensive line. The fact of the matter is they have failed to protect uh, they they failed to protect Joe Burrow last year. Andy Dalton's last few seasons here. It's it's, it's a fact, Zim. I love I, I love it, but it's it's a fact. They failed to protect Andy Dalton. Uh, Andy Dalton his last few seasons here, and, and he he was a whole different basket case. But when you look at when the Bengals were making the playoffs on a consistent basis, it was behind a, a stable offensive line. So I'm not talking about right now. I'm not thinking in my mind like you know what. You know what? Yeah, the Bengals can draft Jamar Chase and do this, that, and the third. I'm thinking about what I, what the organization is not going to do because of what they have shown me that they're that that they're, that they're just not they're not willing to do. They're not willing to go out there and throw, you know, pay top dollar for a Trent Williams or whoever the top tier tackle might be. And the fact of the matter is, we all sitting on this show can say for 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 a fact that Joe Burrow could take this team over the top, and I'm sure we all believe that, right? Well, he can't take the team over the top if he's lying on his back. And I rest my case. Oof. All right, well, Malik. Well, well. Appreciate that. I th- I think it's only right. <laughs> Speaking of right, Malik, right? <laughs> Since he just said that, my man James Rapine called him out early on Twitter. What was this about, James? What was, what was the call out for? Oh, I don't know. Just making sure Malik's ready for what's about to happen. Right. It was a good argument. And he, and he isn't. He's, he's about to lose right now. I mean, what we can talk about, the Bengals sucking in the draft for years. How they passed on Tyler Lockett in round two a couple years ago, forgot to address that position, cost them after Marvin Jones left. I mean, they've been bad. The Ross pick was bad. I was the champion of that, right? And it's just because they got it wrong in the draft, I'm not letting the past impact the 2021 NFL draft. I don't care what they did in the past. It doesn't matter. Here's what I know. Jamar Chase is a better prospect than Penny Sewell, period. He should be higher on the Bengals board. I think he's going to have more of an impact in year one because Penny Sewell's probably going to play guard in year one. And I can find a starting guard at 38. You, you can name about 10 of them. So there's going to be someone there in the second round that they can find. And that's really my argument. It's about value. If you take Chase at five, you're still going to be able to do what we said was the minimum and what I said was the minimum when this offseason started for the Bengals. Make sure you can keep Joe Burrow upright. I get it. They didn't get Joe Tooney. They didn't get a Matt Filer, who they certainly should have gotten. They only brought in Reef, who I think is an upgrade at right tackle. We all agree there. But overall, the value in this draft, offensive line-wise, isn't five. It isn't. If you pick Penny Sewell at five, that is not maximizing the value because you're going to be passing on a better prospect. I promise you, you look at 38, there's going to be an offensive lineman that's probably near or at the top of your board, maybe multiple offensive linemen at the top of your board. And guess what we know? The Bengals love to trade back. They might be able to trade back from 38 to 44 and still get the offensive linemen they want. And by the way, they've done something that they're not going to be able to do otherwise, which is give Joe Burrow a wide receiver one. Now he has a trio of all-stars to throw to, and that's what LSU did. That's how they went 15-0. He was throwing to all-stars at wide receiver. We saw it with Terrace Marshall. Uh, today, he tested really well, too. And that's what you should want to build in Cincinnati is give him this trio of high-end pass catchers that are going to make a difference and translate, whether it's on the road at Heinz Field, whether it's in Seattle or whatever the case may be. I get it. Offensive line matters. Absolutely. The value in this draft, though, is Chase, the top prospect on the board at five, and the top offensive lineman in rounds two, maybe round three, maybe round four. There's just more depth there, and it's going to make life on Joe Burrow easier. It's going to make life on Zach Taylor easier as we evaluate him. It's going to make the Bengals better. 
So it, it is about value. I don't give a damn that they got the Cordy Glenn trade wrong or that they did this or that. It doesn't matter. The past is irrelevant. What matters is what they do moving forward. If they get a wide receiver one in a starting offensive lineman at 38, they are much, much better than if they take Penny Sewell and then whoever else at 38. There's no doubt in my mind. All right. I got did you want to say something, Malik? You want to come back? All right. Malik <laughs> wants to come back. All right. So so James, I listen, I, you make a valid argument. I feel kind of silly taking the Penny Sewell side because I think they're both going to be great prospects. But let's face it, let's face it, let's face the fact here, guys. Like the Bengals are not the only team in the NFL that has a need at offensive line. And I think mm -hmm. everyone is just simply just, you know, forgetting the fact that there are teams with serious needs at the offensive line. You can look at a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Chiefs, the Ravens. They're probably going to trade Orlando Brown, so they're going to probably need to draft another. There's going to be so many teams, and we still – it's not like we have the first pick, right? It's not like we have the first pick in the second round, right? We have the – what? The, we have the, the fifth pick in the second round as well, which is, I think it's like 30th or whatever. Um, 38. Teams can come up. Teams can, teams can come up and jump us. And listen, I, I understand where you're coming from. I understand it. I understand why dry drafting a guy like Jamar Chase makes a ton of sense. And it certainly does make a ton of sense. But understand why drafting a guy like Penny Sewell makes a ton of sense as well. Because I feel like that alignment in the second round isn't as sure of a thing as we're making it out to be. I get definitely, it. Definitely. I, I understand that. You, you know what? The, that's fear-based right there. I'm ah. afraid the Bengals aren't going to be able to protect Joe Burrow. And I'm afraid that teams are going to leap us in the draft. Look, the, no doubt the Bengals have to be aggressive and they have to go get their targets to protect right. Joe Burrow. But to me, there are enough guys there that can do that. I mean, you again, they're really – if Trey Hopkins comes back healthy, they're probably going to draft one starting offensive lineman anyway. Maybe it's Penny Sewell or maybe Jamar Chase is running deep routes and, and shaking defenders and stiff arm and Marlon Humphrey – and they have a, a second-round offensive lineman playing right guard. I mean, that's that's kind of where we're at. And they do need to increase the depth, and I want them to draft at least two offensive linemen. But to me, value and understanding where it is. And, yeah, I get it. They, they might not get their top pick, right? The Sam Cosmes of the world might not be there, but maybe it's Tevin Jenkins. The Tevin Jenkins might not be there, but maybe it's Alex Leatherwood. Alex Leatherwood might, be, might not be there, but maybe it's Liam Eikenberg. And you could go on and on and on. And the other factor here, and this is a big one on both sides, I think, is Frank Pollock. They brought him in because they feel like he can actually develop offensive linemen because the last guy couldn't. Well, then you should be a little more comfortable with drafting a guy in the second round that can start potentially day one at right guard and, and move forward and maybe develop into the, the starting tackle after you know 2021 or 2022 down the line. Sounds good. Sounds good. Appreciate that, James. I'm going to bring in my guy, Blake Jewel. Blake, are you with us? Jake, Blake, you there? I'm not sure if he's there. Okay. We'll go to my other guy then, my little guy, my little shooter that I got here with me. Steven, what's up, man? Hit the unmute. Yo, can you hear me? Yeah, yep, we can hear you. All right, so... My internet's kind of failing me worse than Joe Burrow's O-line, so if it crashes, don't be surprised. If I disconnect, don't be surprised at all because it's failing me right now. So I just want to get started off by saying that everybody made great points. Um, I've heard points that, like, Panisa Wells is going to play guard and stuff like that. And then I've also heard points, like, not just from the show, but, like, from, like, fans online. Like, I've looked at Instagram and people were saying, like, well, Jamal. Oh, 
Oh, uh, we lost him. Hold on. Blake. He, he, walked, he walked away. He walked away too far from the router, bro. Like Steven. Blake, Steven was about to spit. But we're gonna bring in Blake. And we also have a secret guest that just popped in as well. So hold on one second. Go ahead, Blake. We'll let Blake go and then we'll we'll bring in yes, the two the two other guests. Yeah, we can hear you. Ah, the Sewells. Yeah, they they fail. They're failing to block right now. Right, not protecting. Right, we're talking about blocking. The internet service is blocking. We're open here. I'm getting chase open. Failed right now. I'm getting destroyed by my internet. But let me continue. All right. So people were saying about Jamar Chase's chemistry with Joe Burrow, which is the reason they should draft him. Joe Burrow wants him. You know, but I said, well, well, he's just going to play guard. He's not going to play tackle his first year because, you know, people were really locked in on Riley Reef playing right tackle, right? So, what I'm, what I'm thinking is, like, um, you take from ICL, right, number five, right? Then you let him play guard for a year and because people also, like, say that, oh, yeah, his technique is bad. Well, that was, like, his second year, like, at, at college. You can't judge someone. He's only 20 years. He's only 20 years old. So you you get you leave him at guard for a year, right? You let him use his run mauling abilities, right? You let him develop under Frank Pollock. And people forget, Riley Reef only is under contract for one year. So we're gonna have a tackle need and a guard need going in the next offseason. So we so after this season, Riley Reef's most likely gone. He's thirty one. I don't think the Bengals are gonna keep him at all. So you kick you kick Kanaisuel, who's developed under one year. He has a, a year of experience under his belt and development under Frank Pollock. You kick him out to right tackle. And then you can address guard next next year, assuming we have a high pick again. Because we, I don't know, I don't trust Zach Taylor personally. That might just be me. But there's also the, the receiver thing with the chemistry with Joe Burrow. So you have Terrence Marshall, and people forget that when Joe Burrow was there, he did really good. But people just don't notice him because he wasn't super flashy. But he was the number three receiver. And he has good chemistry with Joe Burrow. He had, as a number three receiver, right, a chemistry with Joe Burrow, he had 671 yards and 12 touchdowns. Who can't argue he's going to be – He's probably, I, I almost guarantee you that he will be there in the second round. I can almost guarantee you. If not him, there's a receiver that could be there. All right, there's another receiver that could be there. I know I see y'all shaking your heads, think you're slick. There, uh, there will be some, there will be a receiver there. Okay, and you're saying, hey, hey, we could take late round picks and we could trade up. I mean, we're not even going to use them anyways. Knowing us, we're probably going to use it on that kicker from Florida. I, I doubt we're going to even use them. We're going to use them on a true sample, true sample 2.0. So we might as well just take those picks and we could trade up. But you know, I doubt that. But still, if Terrence Marshall isn't there, there's plenty of other receivers that are there that are just, just as good. But you know, we could take draft picks and trade up. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, maybe Terrence Marshall isn't there. Maybe he is. But, you know, I think I think I think with Panacea well, you leave him at guard, it, it fills up our O line, right? You have Trey Hopkins at center, and our guards are Quentin Spain and Panacea well, left tackle Jonah Williams, right tackle Riley Reeves. So we have our whole O line filled out, assuming nobody gets injured. You go in the next offseason, and then Riley Reef Riley Reef is most likely gone. You kick Panacea well out to right tackle, and then you can just get another guard. But for this season, if we took Panacea well, we would have our spots filled out, and we could also get a receiver in the second round. So that's what I'm thinking. Maybe I'm just crazy with the Terrence Marshall probably being there in the second round. Maybe I'm just a little crazy, but I don't know. That's, a, that's what I think, man. I mean, I think we could also – we could always just get a guard next year. I mean, I don't think – I think for this year, I think we have our thing filled – I think 
if we do this, it, would, it just buys us a little bit more time so we can go into next offseason. Brandon Sheriff's probably out of the Redskins. We could always take him. You never know. So that's what I'm thinking, man. Maybe I'm just crazy. I don't know. All Steven. right, my man Steven, Steven, you are crazy. You are crazy, dog. And <laughs> hey, listen, I love the fact that you came and you came and you delivered that. You know, if it wasn't, if it's nothing personal with me and you, Steven, you know that. But you, you know, I just gotta tear you up for it. But you know, I got secret weapons and everything on my side over here, too. So, Ace, what were you saying? You said, what was I saying? Yeah, we just brought in the secret weapon. He just joined us. The man, the legend, Joe Goodberry, has entered the chat. Joe, what's up, bro? What's up, fellas? How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Joe, I'm I know. I'm surprised I know. you're not wearing any armor, Joe. It's a civil war, man. Yeah. Joe, I Joe, I had to bring you out of retirement for this because it was so many people ganging up on me. I felt like I was getting beat up online. And I had all these people that said, Zim, why don't you get why don't you believe in linemen? And I love office alignment. I love the big boys. I love Willie Anderson. But like Tony Pike said earlier today, if you're not telling me that Willie Anderson is getting drafted at number five, if he ain't Willie level, then I don't want him. What would you say to a Panay enthusiast right now? I would say, of course, everyone knows they need offensive linemen. I mean, this is not a secret. We, we've been talking about it for three years, if not longer. Um, I, I think you have to step back and look at one thing. And I know, like, the you go to Bengals.com or something like that, they'll tell you Frank Pollock's a big addition to this team. And I don't think we can undersell that. You guys are giving me an opportunity to rag on one of the biggest problems this team had the last two years. And that's Jim Turner on the offensive line. Willie, you know, and I know you know, and I know anyone else here that knows, he was horrible. He was so bad. He was telling them things they should not be doing. He was having them out there go play this technique and guy get beat using that technique on that play, on that sack. Quentin Spain shouldn't have been as bad as he was last year. There was times Jonah Williams should not have been as bad as he was. And I thought Jonah Williams was good for his first year playing. He just needs to stay healthy. But a lot of these guys could have been so much better than they were last year in the last two years. Uh, and I'm not saying they're automatically just going to be better because Frank Pollock's in there, but they should be a lot better. Even if it's just marginally better, this offensive line as a whole is better. It doesn't take a superstar addition to get this team from a bottom five O-line to just maybe like 16th middle of the league. Uh, I think the coaching does that. I think getting rid of Bobby Hart and bringing in Riley Reef can do that. Uh, yeah, he's 32. It's a one-year deal, so you still need a tackle for the future. But right now, if you were to line them up, they really just need a right guard. And will you know you've played with guards that were fourth round picks, third round picks, second round picks? That's where they go. Oh, weeks they go in the second round, they go in the third round. That you get really good starters day one. And I bet you looking at this class, there's going to be starters from guard that are going to be taken in round three and at the top of round three. And you can plug them in, and you're going to get better play at that right guard spot. And you, there's your five guys going forward. So to me, we can't undersell the addition of the offensive line already, even though it's still not going to be a good offensive line. I still think at best, maybe we're average. And at the same time, undersell how bad they were at that third re receiver position last year. We love A.J. Green. He did a lot, but he could not run anymore last year. They threw him 104 passes. You look at next-gen sets. He was last in the league in yards per separation out of every receiver in the league. He caught 45% of his targets last in the league. You just add someone that's a top five pick, number one receiver in this class that can do anything and everything. If he catches 60, 65% of those balls for a thousand yards, 10 touchdowns, which is not out of the realm of possibility for, for, 
someone he already knows throwing him the passes, this offense, that is a bigger boost to this offense than anything else. Even if you're saying Penny Sewell plays at right guard or right tackle, the your, the upgrade there is good. But as a rookie, you know, offensive lineman may struggle. We see receivers step in right now. It used to be two or three years for receivers. Now they're stepping in. They can catch 80 balls and 1,200 yards without a doubt. Definitely, Woo. definitely. That man just came in like Thor and Wakanda real right. quick over here. Uh, we got my man Blake Jewel. Blake, are you with us? Yes, you hear me right now? Yeah, I we can hear you. hear you. I've been having some technical difficulties over here. Man, he was crispy earlier, too. That's he the messed up part about, about having a live show. We apologize for this, people. It is very tough to get this many people on one panel. I'm so glad that everybody is like here tonight, Day Nation. We're doing this thing, and it's crazy that we're all coming together to have this, this event right now. I feel like it's an event. This is fire. Let's go, let's go Blake. All right. So, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of good points today. I think I think my my the thing I want to say first is I'm not in any way anti-Chase. I think Chase is a phenomenal prospect. Uh, I have him as the third overall prospect in the draft. I have Sewell at two. And I think one of the big reasons I've, I've kind of started off being – uh, on the team Sewell or whatever was, you know, last season, Joe Burrow was sacked 32 times, which was the 11th most in the league, and he missed six games. So I think taking that into account, I think, you know, going into the season, everyone involved in Bengals coverage was kind of like they need to get as much protection as they can. People were talking about getting Joe Tooney, Brandon Sheriff, all these people. And I don't think the Bengals have done enough, honestly. I think Riley Reef was a good signing. I don't think it's enough. And personally, on my board, I like the second and third round receivers more than I like the second round tackles. Um, I do really like the second round tackles. So if you take Chase, it's not game over. Uh, there's going to be some good tackles there. And uh, so my, my I'm kind of hurrying this up a little bit in case I get kicked out again. But uh, my big question, I think, um, to the people that prefer Chase is, is the skill gap between Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell enough? For you, for you know, for the team to ignore the biggest issue, which was offensive line, and uh, I personally don't think that the gap is big enough to kind of ignore their number one need. All right, Blake. I, I, I would love to answer that, but my man Iceman has been so patient with it. We and, and I, I want to give him a chance to to respond to it. Did you hear Blake's last question, where he's saying, "Is the gap big enough for you?" and yeah, like it, speak on that, I guess, and then you can yeah, say the, whatever the gap, you like. The, the gap is big, but it's not that big because of the amount of offensive linemen that are in this draft. I mean, you can get Leatherwood, you can get Wyatt Davis, you can get the kid from USC. All these guys are potentially could be there in the second round. That we're all talking if we get Panay Sewell, we're going to kick him in the guard and then maybe move him out. Well, you could do that if you get Leatherwood, you could put him at guard and then kick him out to, to tackle and do the exact same thing, and you might not miss a beat, but. Jamar Chase, let's not – people say this, let's, you know, let's not overthink it. And they say, don't overthink it, let's take Panay Sewell. I'm like, I'm the exact opposite. Don't overthink it. Take the best player in the draft, the most athletic one. This is what he did. This is for pro, pro football focus, Anthony Tresh. Jamar Chase, 2019 season against NFL cornerbacks. These all got, all, guys all got drafted. Uh, Adrian, A.J. Terrell, Tavon Diggs, C.J. Henderson – Noah, I'm going to mess his name up, so I'm not going to try it. <laughs> Patrick Sertain the second. Now, he had 37 targets, 26 receptions. 13 of them were 15 yards or more. 
for six touchdowns when he was 19 in the SEC with Joe freaking Burrow tearing up. And I hate to say it, the, the probably one of the best conferences in college football. And I can't stand the SEC, but they have pro talent there and they tore it up. You cannot miss on chase. It's, it's almost to me, it's almost a no brainer because like Tony Pike said before, Panay Sewell, we don't know. I mean, he could, some people compare, compared him to Anthony Munoz and then some people have us drafting Slater at five. So it's not, this is the, God's honest, this is the best offensive lineman there. He's going to be everything we ever wanted. Chase is. He's proven it in the SEC. And no offense to the Pac-12, but it's the Pac-12. He's not going against NFL caliber rushers. And again, like I said, there's so many offensive linemen in this draft that I think the best way to protect Joe Burrow is get a guard in the second round that hopefully can put a kick out to, to tackle. Go get Chase. You got Chase. You got Higgins. You got Boyd. Oh, my. All right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Okay, Iceman. Sam, I think that's – do we have any I, I, other – I feel like I feel like we did a good full cycle right there. Um, I think so, too. I, I know Willie at one point has something. I, I It seemed like he has something he that has he wanted something to say. To say. And, and I want sure to give you – the... unmute. Unmute, Willie. I tried to unmute it for you. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, all great points, guys, from everybody. But um, as, as myself and my former teammates, we all sit in our group text from forever in this division, like – Fans, fans get caught up in the outside guys. Yes. And I mean, the outside guys. And for years, the Bengals have always had the outside guys. We've had Carl Pickens and Donays and Chad Ochos and TJs and Chris Herrings and all the flashy. We've had some of the top receivers in the game, like the past 20 years. Was one in the AFC North. They used to be the old AFC Central. I was talking to Brian Simmons today, and I said, B, I say linebackers in our division don't – I say linebackers in football don't wear that damn neck brace you used to wear on your neck. <laughs> I said because they're not facing Eddie George, uh, Jamal Lewis, uh, Bettis, Corey Dillon, and all these damn brutal guys. But still in that league, the Ravens' defensive line still wins them football games. Pittsburgh still is front, front – front, whatever they got, front seven, still wins them games. The Browns got good this year because Miles Garrett can wreak, ha wreak havoc and other guys around him to play pretty good. When the Bengals were winning, it's because often the Browns this year improved too. Because again, I think James said this: you don't need to go. You know, there's there's no rule that says you got to go all, you know, first rounds in the first line and on, on the first team line because the, the Browns kind of proved that. But they did have a first round tackle come in and play pretty good, and the guys around him played pretty good. But this division, and I, I, want, I want to say this: sometimes Bengal fans get caught up in. The, the glamour stuff and those things win games, hell, you know. But if the blocking is not good, running the football, what would I say? If, if your name got a, a line on it, O line, D line, linebackers, that's what winning this football division. I mean, it just is. Yes, the receivers make plays, you know. Ben had the boy, the, the young rookie last year, they were red hot, but, when, but something went wrong when the, the O line couldn't protect them anymore. They couldn't run the football anymore and it just went dead. So I'm not saying don't get chased. I'm just saying we got to get to a point where we build up our big guys. Like, we, we got to start out-toughing guys and have a great quarterback. Our D-line, O-line, got to be out-toughing other guys because if those guys get pumped year in and year out, I mean, Joe can be – it'd be an average Joe. I mean, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Because and that's, that's for me. 
And that's the thing that I do like about Panay. Is he the best technical prospect? No. But he is one of the most physical. And when I watch him on film, he looks like a guy that wants to play in the AFC North. Some of those other guys that we're talking about in the second round, I'm not so sure. So I want a guy that's going to be going after Miles Garrett's head. I don't want a guy that's just going to let Miles Garrett stand him up and throw him into the backfield. And that's that's really honestly the reason why I love Panay so much is the aggression that he plays with on film. I, I'm not here to argue with that at all. It's just for <laughs> me, uh, who was that? That, that it, well, actually, I am here to argue that. Uh, but who who was that, who was that that said? You know, like what what is the gap? You know, like between it. It's not even for me that Chase is just marginally just so much better as a prospect than any wide receiver that I've ever seen. But he's way better than every wide receiver that I've seen in this draft, and he fills a need that we currently need. Right now, on the Bengals' offensive line, as much as people keep on bringing up Riley Reef and what you don't like about Jonah Williams or whatever, at least it's something. What is your plan from a Panay Sewell enthusiast to fill in 110 targets that you just gave – away from losing AJ Green. Is that Mike Thomas? And then if it's not like a num- and if it's not a number one guy, right? Are you going to go out on a limb and say, "Look, we're going to risk putting out a second round, third round guy that we think might work out. We we're not sure. We might go get a free agent guy or whatever to get out there. And then anything that we could have maximized from Tyler Boyd, anything that we could have maximized from T. Higgins is now lost in the sauce because this third guy that doesn't get any separation and you're back to square one, which you just went through with A.J. Green this past year. That's, that's my number one. So, so one thing I want to say is, is this. This is my hot take. You just said Jamar Chase is by far wide receiver one, right? To me. What if I said that Kyle Pitts is wide receiver number one? Hmm. You got a 6'5 guy who's 240 pounds, runs a 4'4". When I talked to Willie before, he said if you're picking a wide receiver in the top five, he's got to be a freak of nature. I think Kyle Pitts fits that bill. I feel, like Kyle, I feel like Kyle Pitts fits that bill, but when I look at the Falcons, I just think like if Kyle Pitts is there or whatever, some, some weird yeah. – I know it's unorthodox or whatever. If they don't go quarterback and move on from Matt Ryan, I think it'd be distasteful for them to just say, okay, Julio, we're going to move you all the way. We're just going to get rid of you and bring in this rookie wide receiver. It doesn't really make sense from the value standpoint with them, opposed to coming here where we're saying, here, here are your 110 targets. If you bring Chase to their lineup, it doesn't even make sense for them, but Kyle Pitts does, because if you bring Chase into their lineup – now you got to figure out where does Gage, Julio, uh, and Calvin Ridley, how do you split up all of those different targets? Now the value of drafting Chase and number five is now lost. And that's where Pitts comes in to me. And I don't even think Pitts is on the board. I really think it's going to be a Sewell-Chase situation. Malik, you are shaking your head. I would love for you to respond to that. Uh, yeah, sorry, I had to unmute myself. I know for a fact that Kyle Pitts will not be drafted by the Bengals at uh, pick five. It's going to come down to Chase or Sewell. It's going to come down to them. As it was told to me, they would draft the defensive player. They would trade back and draft the defensive player before they draft Kyle Pitts. I don't know what the reasoning was, well, what the reasoning is for that, but that's that's what was told to me. But but now let me ask you this: You have a tweet that's going out here. We got a lot of people watching tonight. There mm-hmm. was a tweet that you oh, yeah, put out sure. there. Yeah, so yeah let's I, talk I, about I, a tweet because right we're going we're going to put yeah. you on front street because so, you can so go Zach Taylor was there today. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is that a smoke screen? 
Yeah, yeah. So tell me about the tweet because if anybody so, wants Pitts, to get in on his action, willing, I, I got a good bet for you guys. I'm willing to bet you guys. If Kyle Pitts gets drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals, I will buy two tickets and a jersey of your choice to any any new Bengals jersey of your choice. That's it. All you have to do is just like the tweet and He's comment and down below. I'm very confident. <laughs> just like I was very confident. Everybody was like, oh, Joe Tooney. You know, Joe Tooney's going to – Joe Tooney's there. They were never – never going to pay. No, I agree they were never going to get up yeah, in that yeah. ranking. Listen, and, and I just want to touch on the, the Joe Tooney thing for a quick second. Mm-hmm. Listen, the, the most the Bengals have paid a, a, a guard, I believe, what, they played Clint, Clint Boyling, what, six, seven million a year or something like that? Listen, they may have changed their philosophy, but they didn't change their philosophy enough to go from six, seven million to 15 million. That's a huge jump. They they may have been willing to go in the double digits, but I think at max you were going to get the Bengals to pay with like 10 million a year for a guard. They're just not, that's just not something that they're ever going to do. I don't think their philosophy is ever going to change. And I think, I think it needs to personally. Then why would you take starting guard Penny Sewell with the fifth pick? No, oh, Penny Sewell. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready. 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 Well, because Penny, um, I, I genuinely think Penny Sewell could be one of the best tackles in football. And listen, people are like, oh, his technique is so bad. And, and Willie, you could speak to this more than, more than I could certainly. Uh, but mo- a lot of offensive linemen, they come in the league you know, not with the with the best technique, so to speak, right? But they get with an offensive line coach. They they tend to work on their technique to get to work on their footwork and things of that nature, and they get better. They I'm not going to say they make drastic improvements, right? I'm not going to say that they go from you know the, every, every offensive lineman's like Cedric Abway coming in, for instance. But um, you know, but but I, I'm just saying, like I, I just think that that's a poor excuse for for people to use to say, well, oh, the Bengals shouldn't draft Penny Sewell because he has poor technique. The fact of the matter is he's dominating other competition with that poor technique, or he was at least. And the other thing real quick, mm-hmm. uh, as far as like AFC North goes, if I wanted an AFC North receiver, mm-hmm. it, it it's, it's kind of odd because Chad, looking back, he was just a freak athletically, but it's not like he was this physical beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamar is that man. I mean, he's yeah. – He's physical as hell. So if you if you're talking about a, an AFC North tough as hell type of wide receiver one, I think it would be a guy like Jamar Chase. No, right. definitely. Yeah, and what they definitely. didn't say is he 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 lifted 225 pounds 23 times. He didn't do that in, in the uh, in the uh, in the uh, pro day today, but he did that earlier in the week. So he is definitely upper body strength and strong. So yeah, I, I I'm with James on that. He's yeah, on that gym workout plan. <laughs> that, that, yeah. that all, that all, that, you know a lot of built bars, man. You know a lot of built bars. <laughs> that, that that all being that that all being said, I'm 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 sure we all know like Jamar Chase is probably going to be the pick, right? Like we're oh, we're all on. Oh that. yeah, I mean like when we first when me and Joe first had this debate, I was like, <laughs> is, 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 that says, is that Malik bomb? No, I'm, no, Mike Brown. No Malik bomb. Yeah, Mike Brown won't go to a tight end. I mean, as good as Pitts is, he's a former. Mike Brown's a former quarterback. And he really believes strongly in quarterbacks and receivers, you know. So he right. he, he strongly believes that. If you look at his, his history and what, what he believes in, that's kind of the reason why, in the past, they never really looked at the guard position like that because he thought. I mean, look at it. He always paid us tackles. He paid the tackles. Right, right. He thought he thought the league was built on having dominant tackles. But even though now the league's kind of changed now, you need really good guards in the middle of the quarterbacks, you know, because guys. Guys falling your damn knee, <laughs> you know what I mean? You so, but I don't see Mike Brown taking a tight end or you know or passing up Chase. John, John, one, one thing people me. people. Oh god, sorry. Oh no, go ahead, go ahead. I was, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say one one thing people forget. They're always talking about uh uh Whitworth and everything, but Whitworth was a guard when they first drafted yeah. him. So I mean they've done no, it before. No, that's no. Where, that's why 
Yeah. He was never huh? a guard. He was never he was a tackle. He, was he never played guard. They had him at guard, though. They played him at guard. They played guard. him at guard. No, 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 no. no. They, Willie they, was there. Yeah, go, Willie. Yeah, yeah. be a guard coming out of college because they, they didn't think he was athletic enough. He hated that shit. So he only played guard when 2009 when Collins, a couple guys got hurt, 2009 or 10. He played guard for like a year, right. uh, half a year. But then he he, he immediately went back upstairs and said, hey, I'm not, playing, I'm not a guard. <laughs> He's ready to make him down. Well, I guess my point is he, he did, he did play at one time and kick him out. Yeah. Right. I, I, I guess I my point was he did play it at one time. And that's what they could do with Leatherwood. Sorry. Right. And 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 to me, that's what a lot of people are saying. I think me, if it were me in the draft, I'd double down at a couple spots. We talked about second round, third round, uh, being having these guys just fall down, right? There is no value. Anybody that's sitting here tonight that's saying that Suell year one going to guard and in future, whatever, like. That's not that's that's not a top five pick. I don't even it, like personally. I'm like, a like if, if I'm drafting a tackle like at that. five, he better start day one, and right. he better play, and he that's better right. never and Joe better not get touched. And if you're left guard for a whole year, okay, rookie year <laughs> with, with Tony Jones at left tackle, then the next year he moved out. Tony okay, but this is the thing: when I come back in the second round, I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have that same option all over again. So it loses the it loses the con like that's where you lose me at. Well, it's like see, I'm and, not that, and that sorry, Jim. And that's the thing with you and I, we've talked about it a ton. Like you can do both. That's the beauty, is this draft really does meet the Bengals' needs really extremely does. well. And I want to do both. I want to protect Joe and watch him throw 52 touchdowns because that's gonna be really fun to cover. And I think Chase can help him get there. And I think the offensive line can be good enough to do it if they make the right picks in the mid rounds. We just need another edge rusher as well, though. Let's not for do sure. That. We need another edge rusher. John, we're, Chase, we're can, Chase can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're so, you see him? No, but I, I gotta ask. I, I never, I never. Joe, who is your favorite uh, edge rusher in this class, or, or a guy that in the mid in the later rounds that you got your eye on? I'm curious. And after, and after like Joe, and, guru. And after guru, Joe, man. and after yeah, Joe answers is. that, can John? I want to hear John's version of that too, and I want right. to, I want John to close it out too because sure. we're getting kind of long now. You don't typically get good edge rushers third, fourth round. You know, if you first, second round is really where they go because they get pushed up at least a half round, if not a full round above where they probably should be graded. But uh, I think, you know, I keep doing the simulations. Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma keeps ending up there in, in the top round, too. And I think that's part of the issue here is like we want to map it out, right? And say, okay, O line, wide receiver, wide receiver, O line. You get to that second round, there's going to be players there that you do not expect to be there. And you're going to go, all right, we got to we got to re rethink this out. Is there going to be a wide receiver there in round three? Is there going to be a wide receiver there or an offensive lineman there in round three that we like? And I, in that very likely scenario, I think I feel much more comfortable taking the guard in round three, if that's where you're at, than a wide receiver that I got to throw 80 targets to in round three. I mean, that's just the chances of that guy coming in as a rookie in round three is very low to get a receiver there. I think you could end up going Chase or Ronnie Perkins and then a Ben Cleveland out of Georgia in round three, and then you plug him in at right guard, you're good. Step back. You're good. your offense. Let's roll. Right. And think about the pool, though. It's a specific type of wide receiver we're yes. looking for to take the target. So one of the things that I talked to uh, about Ace off-camera is the pool of wide receivers, the guys that I like the most, the Elijah Moores of this draft or whatever, I'm not so sure they can consistently win on the outside. So that, that's what I wanted to say on that point. I thought that was a really good point, Joe. Thank you very much, Willie. I know Willie had to 
go take a quick smash break, but it, you know, he, he, you know, it's all good. Um, John, please uh, tell us about, you know, um, what do you want to close out with this and anybody that has any thoughts on, on this, on this debate that we're having through the Uday nation. I mean, this is draft season, so everything's hyperbole, hyperbole and everyone just wants to get their point off and just belittle the other player to a certain degree. And I think that's unfortunate because these, at the end of the day, these are two really good football players who succeeded at a high level at just 19 years old. And also, like, a lot of people just look at it from, like, a one-year standpoint, whereas the Bengals have a definite one hole at offense line, just like they have a definite one hole at receiver. But both of those holes are long-term. Like, they, they need a starting right guard, and they need a right tackle of the future. That is that is the, the allure of Panay because at the end of the day, you're drafting to be a tackle. He's not going to be a guard forever, even if he's just at a guard right now. So that, that logic still makes sense, and you can still abide to it. And it's ultimately what should keep Panay in the conversation up until the draft. But I think it all goes back to the, to the same point. Like If you're just taking one player with one pick, I think that is what the argument has to be you will reap more value off of one dominant receiver rather than one potentially dominant offensive tackle. And I just, I keep, I keep coming back to that because we can go on and on back and forth about everything about this. And there are so many angles that we can diverge in, but I think it all, it just comes back to that because everything gets netted out and you just have to look at what, what, what is the qualifier? What is the difference here? What is the difference in the entire equation? And I think when you have a chance to take Along with everything else, like the whole Joe Burrow thing, that's just the cherry on top. That's not why you take Jamar Chase. That's just something that happens to be there. It's just a plus. Everything about Jamar Chase, though, is exactly what they look for at wide receivers, and they need that exact type of wide receiver. They they could use that a lot more than just one offense lineman, regardless of how great Panay Sewell is. Like, I think that is the overall ending point to this argument and if, if it goes the other way it, i think it's still a good path and you can still survive with it like joe was just mentioning uh, on twitter today like there is there is a, a definite path where they can address receiver in the second round and they can still come out on top and i think it's it's by design that they left these two holes here for the draft because that's where the draft is strongest at wide receiver and offense line so they clearly have a plan in mind and i think either plan can work out i think though when you're just looking at just one decision you have to look at you have to take out the the, the the dependent variables and just look at the independent variables and that's how you got to compare the two. No, Absolutely. I agree with you for sure. And I think don't get it twisted. Like these are good problems to have. This is a great debate to have, especially between two prospects like this. And I definitely agree with, with uh, John saying either way that it goes, I think we're all going to be happy campers. We're going to end up with a good player, especially being lose. in the top five for sure. But Zim, was there anything that you wanted to say before we get out of here? I know we might want to, let them plug some Again, of that stuff real quick. Absolutely. I want to say thank you every thank you from the bottom of my heart to everybody that showed up tonight, man. I really, really appreciate you. I, I know a couple people under very, very short notice. I think that the people that you see on this panel, if you're in here in the live right now, these are people that really, really care about this team and have a lot of knowledge to give. And I think you all should make sure that you follow every single thing that they say if you really, truly care about this team like we do. And I just think that that was a great, a great moment tonight. And I think that we were able to collaborate and get our ideas out there. It was never going to be some crazy debate debate where people are like, whatever. The energy is too good. The, the, the We're charting up. Everything is going well. I know even Joe is in retirement, but he still cares about the Bengals. So, Joe, I want to start with you and then we can go all the way around. You tell everybody where they could find your stuff if they didn't know already, which would be silly. But 
I don't make any stuff, so don't come looking for me. Um, just drink your water. April That's a nice hat, be though. Thank you. Oh, yeah, we will have these actually pretty soon. They're in shipping now. But um, yeah, drink your water. April's going to be a fun month for Bengals fans. Not only are we probably going to get one of these two young studs to help this team out, which is great, but uh, we're getting the schedule and uniforms April 19th, and I'm out. Ooh. Yes, sir. I'll see you there. All right, so we got uh, my man Malik Wright. Go ahead and let them know where they can find your stuff, brother. Simple, guys. You guys can follow me on uh, Twitter at uh, Wright Report, W-R-I-G-H-T-R-E-P-R-E-P-O-R-T. Just simple as that. I'm always taking questions and, yeah, posting GIFs or GIFs or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> Steven the Goat. I'm you. Steven, you're on mute. Let them know, Steven. Yo, I'm fine, nigga. Yeah. It's yeah, <laughs> nah, yeah but, we, but we can hear you. Tell <laughs> them where they can find your stuff at, bro. Like, you're a young legend. Let them know who you are. <laughs> All right, we'll make sure we'll make sure to try to get Steven's stuff in the description. I got you, right, Steven. It's, it's really so behind, so is this show? <laughs> nah, you're good, bro. It's all good. We'll get you. It's all good, man. It's all good. Yeah, I'll have a link you. in the description with Steven's stuff. He's got an Instagram. Uh, sometimes he comes on to the Q&As. I think he's been on my show a couple of times. He came on after the Steelers, came on this weekend, dropping bombs. Told me that he put me on Jonah Williams. I didn't even remember that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have Steven's information there in the bottom. Uh, let's go ahead and let James Rapine drop his line real quick. Simple, at James Rapine on Twitter, allbengals.com, and uh, the Locked on Bengals podcast. This was a lot of fun. By the way, I looked up Steven's info at least on Instagram. He he crushed it, so I followed him. I found him and followed him during this chat. It's uh, StevenLE2234 on uh, awesome. on Instagram. Appreciate so follow him there. And then yeah. also be sure to follow the Cincinnati Bengals Talk YouTube channel as well. Be sure to subscribe to that as well. James doing some great work over there. Yes, sir. Appreciate that. Yep. 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 All right. We got the Iceman. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for uh, letting me be a part of this. It's been a lot of fun. But uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm – my uh, show is Sports with Strawberry Ice. It's every day live at 5.30 on YouTube, podcast later on in the day. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. And that's about it. And I thank for, thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Appreciate it, Ice Man. And, of course, John Sharon. We can't, we can't go out of here without letting John let people know where they can find his stuff. You can find me on Twitter at John2 underscore Sharon. You can find – our work at Cincy Jungle, we, we just run one of the podcasts at Cincy Jungle, but it's not this podcast. It's not the Oranges and the New Black. This is the GOAT. And also, you know what? I've been in a room with Steven, or I've been in a room with Duke, with Duke Tobin, and I feel like Steven can take him as well, a lot better than I can. That, that kid did a great job. So thanks, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right. Appreciate it, brother. All right. So before we slide out, Zim, I want to play the intro that I was supposed to play at the beginning. Hold on, hold on real quick. Let me say one thing before we go. Go ahead. I want everybody that's in here, I want y'all to make sure that y'all make y'all decisions not out of fear and don't make your decisions or what you think that you perceive Joe Burrow to want. Go with what Joe says. Think about what they're talking about. I really think some of the stuff that Tony Price said early on in this in, in this whole thing was probably the, the most influential stuff that I think I heard all night. It's like, spread them out, go with what Joe wants. And don't lose sight of protecting it. I thought Willie had some really good points where he's talking about how the, the guy that we get needs to be strong. Um, you know, there were a lot of people like even Blake talked about like 
let's weigh out the 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 gap in between talent and Sewell and stuff like that. And if you feel like Sewell's a slam dunk, like I said, I want a guy like coming day one and he starts to tackle. If he starts to guard, like Willie said, then so be it. You know, like you got the guy for the future. I feel really strong about our current line right now with Riley Reef. I feel really uh, uh, strong about Jonah, and I feel like they need to solidify the depth. And then when you start looking into this draft, if you're a Panay Sewell enthusiast, there are a lot of guys in a normal year that I just don't feel like will be there in the second round that will be there. There are a lot of guys that will fall in the third round that will be there that normally aren't. And like James and John were saying, the Bengals in this offseason have left these holes in there for a reason. It's because of the talent pool is so high in certain different things. I really appreciate you all checking this out tonight. Ace, did, I, I, I'll give you a chance. All I want to say is just I, thank you guys for, for tuning in. I was watching. I don't know if everybody saw it, but we had 700 people watching live broke. tonight. It was going crazy tonight. So we truly appreciate Shout that. Shout out to Cincy Jungle. Sure. Shout out to Cincy Jungle for sure. Please be sure to sub to Zim's channel. Zim Huday, please be sure to sub to my channel, New Stripe City. This has been the Civil War. We truly enjoyed it. Thanks for all of the panelists coming out. We had Joe Goodberry. We had Willie Anderson, Legend. John Sharon, Blake Jewell, James Rapine, uh, Tony Pike, Malik Man. Wright, the Iceman, like, and they all brought it. So appreciate all of those fellas for coming through. Uh, of course, my man Steven, shout out to him as well. This has been the Civil War, and this is the Orange is the New Black Podcast. And of course, we're going to end this with a yes. Sersky! Here comes Bosa. Here comes the quarterback girl. Looking for a clock and he got it up in the front by Hopkins into the end zone. What, what do you feel like after a loss like today? Yeah, frustrated. Um, there was a lot of plays he was running for his life. For a fake little RPO action, he's going to run for the first down. He's getting hit, trying to get the ball out of his hands. Burrow on second and ten, collapses around him, goes the pocket, he loses his helmet, and he is sacked. You guys already know, I'm team tool. I want what's best for Joe Burrow and what's best for him long term. And I want Joe Burrow upright. We need a fighter. Take a, a sack there, then the game's over. Third and two. Burrow. Black. It was Kendall Fuller. Uh, I got to put our guys in a better position. We need your best receivers out there. To me, it's a no-brainer. I got chased at five just so I could thrive, just so I could stay alive. If it's Panay, no way. It's chasing five. Play the game how we expect it to be played. I think our focus needs to be we got to play better when we're on the field. That's that's what frustrates me the most.